Isaiah chapter 44, verse 1. And now hear, O Jacob, my servant, and Israel, whom I have fixed on. The Lord is watching and looking at his people. He's concentrated on them because he wants them to obey him, and also he knows that he's going to use them as a sign to the entire world of his wonders. 2. Thus said Jehovah, thy Maker, and thy Former, from the womb he doth help thee. Fear not, my servant Jacob, and Jeshurun, whom I have fixed on. Jeshurun is a seldom used nickname for Israel. He also calls Israel Jacob. Jacob had the faith that Esau did not have. So Jacob was a man of faith, and then Israel was the new man that the Lord turned Jacob into, just as he turns all of us into new creatures when we are born again. He says that he was helping us when we were in the womb, and that's certainly true. Some of us would have never been born alive if it weren't for the Lord watching over us, and none of us would have ever been born at all if it weren't for the Lord. 3. For I pour waters on a thirsty one, and floods on a dry land, I pour my spirit on thy seed, and my blessing on thine offspring. When we follow him, the Lord blesses our biological offspring, but he also blesses our spiritual offspring, which are those who we tell the gospel to. And by telling people the gospel, we have a spiritual family that keeps growing, and those people will go into his kingdom. For, and they have sprung up as among grass, as willows by streams of water. Those who know the gospel will blossom and bloom as if they're flowers by a stream. 5. This one saith, For Jehovah I am, and this calleth himself by the name of Jacob, and this one writeth with his hand, For Jehovah, and by the name of Israel surnameth himself. A surname is a last name or a family name, and it says that people who were not born as Israelites will call themselves Israelites because they love the Lord. And that's why Christians today call themselves children of God and they equate themselves with the Israelites. We have taken on the surname of Israel because we love the Lord. So we're ascribing the same laws and the same history to ourselves. That's a compliment to the Lord. 6. Thus said Jehovah, King of Israel, and his Redeemer, Jehovah of hosts, I am the first and I the last, and besides me there is no God. In the book of Revelation, Jesus says, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. That is the Lord. He is before time and after time. Did you know time will end? Time had a beginning, which is within the existence of God. God does not have a beginning. Time is like a mouse track that you and I are on, and we can only run on this track. But God is outside the track. He isn't in the cage of time like you and I are. And that's why he is the first and the last. He's more than that. He's beyond the first and the last. This verse mentions his Redeemer and Jehovah himself, which means it is talking about the Father and the Son. 
7. And who as I doth call, and declare it, and arrange it for me, since my placing the people of antiquity, and things that are coming, and those that do come, declare they to them? He says, going all the way back to Adam and Eve, it is the Lord who has prophesied what is coming, and no one else can prophesy the future. 8. Fear not, nor be afraid. Have I not from that time caused thee to hear, and declared, and ye are my witnesses? Is there a God besides me? Yea, there is none. A rock I have not known. The Lord is the only rock. He is the rock from which the waters flowed in the desert for the Israelites. There's no reason to fear when God is with us and when we're obeying him. He is more powerful than anything in this world. And the Israelites were his witnesses, going all the way back to Abraham. 9. Framers of a graven image are all of them emptiness, and their desirable things do not profit, and their own witnesses they are. They see not, nor know, that they may be ashamed. Man-made idols don't even have consciousness to be ashamed of themselves. If they had brains and eyes and ears, they would be ashamed before the Lord. But they don't even have any awareness to be ashamed. 10. Who hath formed a god, and a molten image poured out, not profitable? 11. Lo, all his companions are ashamed. As to artisans, they are of men, all of them gather together. They stand up. They fear they are ashamed together. All of the people who have created idols, and that includes the idols that are in Catholic churches, as well as Eastern religion idols and other idols, all of the idol makers will be ashamed when Jesus comes in the sky. They'll be so mortified by their actions. Imagine how terrifying it would be if you spent your career creating idols and then the Lord himself showed up in the sky, you would wish that you were dead. 12. He hath wrought iron with an axe, and hath wrought with coals, and with hammers doth form it, and doth work it by his powerful arm. Yea, he is hungry, and there is no power, and he doth not drink water, and he is wearied. The Lord is talking about the ridiculousness of creating your own idol. You have to use an axe and fire, and you have to melt the iron, and then you have to pound it and form it into this idol's shape. And then you're tired, and you need to eat lunch and rest afterward. That is such a joke, because God created us. We didn't create him, and we don't have to rest because we've helped him so much that we're exhausted. He's the one who does everything for us, and he never has to rest. 13. He hath wrought with wood, he hath stretched out a rule, he doth mark it out with a line, he maketh it with carving tools, and with a compass he marketh it out, and maketh it according to the form of a man, according to the beauty of a man to remain in the house. And this is more illustration of how an artisan would make an idol out of wood. 14. Cutting down to himself cedars, he taketh also a cypress and an oak, and he strengtheneth it for himself 
among the trees of the forest. He hath planted an ash, and the shower doth nourish it. The artisan has to plant trees and harvest them. He has to have his own little forest so that he can always harvest wood that's strong to make the idols with. The Lord is mocking the idol makers because they have to work so hard to create something, and then they sell it and other people worship it. We didn't do anything, and the Lord created us. And since his very first Sabbath rest, the Lord has never rested. He took a Sabbath for his own honor, not because he was tired. 15. And it hath been for man to burn, and he taketh of them, and becometh warm. Yea, he kindleth it, and hath baked bread. Yea, he maketh a god, and boweth himself. He hath made it a graven image, and he falleth down to it. Here is the picture of the ultimate insanity, bowing down and worshipping something that's made of wood that another man created. There's no common sense in worshipping something that's less than you. We might as well just worship toilet paper. 16. Half of it he hath burnt in the fire. By this, half of it he eateth flesh. He roasteth a roasting, and is satisfied. Yea, he is warm, and saith, Aha, I have become warm, I have enjoyed the light. This is pure insanity. By the same wood that he uses to warm his house and bake his bread and light his home, that same wood he uses to create the idol, and yet he worships the idol. But he has total control over the wood and the idol. 17. And it remaineth, and its remnant, for a god he hath made, for his graven image, he falleth down to it, and worshipeth, and prayeth unto it, and he saith, Deliver me, for my God thou art. He's even using the scraps of the wood. He takes the best wood to build the fire, and to build furniture and whatever else he needs, and then the leftover scraps is what he carves into a god, and then he prays to that god. Very laughable. 18. They have not known, nor do they understand, for he hath daubed their eyes from seeing, their heart from acting wisely. This says that the Lord makes stupid people stupider, and he has every right to. If we want to indulge in sin, then he'll let us go to seed, psychologically, emotionally, and mentally. He will let us become insane, but once we repent, then we get our sanity back. He rebuilds our lives and gives us wisdom that we never had before. In his grace and mercy, he will restore your mind and your soul when you turn back to him. 19. And none doth turn it back unto his heart, nor hath knowledge nor understanding to say, Half of it I have burned in the fire, yea, also, I have baked bread over its coals, I roast flesh, and I eat, and its remnant for an abomination I make, to the stalk of a tree I fall down. When a person worships an idol, even if it's in a Catholic church, for instance, they don't have the common sense to understand that they're worshiping a man-made product and that the same resources and tools were made to create other things as well, not just that idol. 
They lose their common sense. They refuse to reason in their minds and understand that what they're doing is ludicrous and insane. 20. Feeding on ashes, the heart is deceived. It hath turned him aside, and he delivereth not his soul, nor saith, Is there not a lie in my right hand? The Bible says in another passage that our hearts are deceptively wicked, and here in Isaiah 44:20, it's saying the same thing. Our own hearts deceive us. That's why the New Agers and the modern people say, Follow your heart. That is a mantra of Satan, because Satan knows that when we follow our hearts, we go straight into deception. And Satan loves it when we follow our hearts. But the Bible teaches that our hearts deceive us, because our hearts are of the flesh, they're of our self-will. We should never follow our self-will. Your heart deceives you, and then your soul doesn't even recognize that you can hold this little God in your own hand because some of these idols are that small, and your brain doesn't understand the illogic behind worshiping something that you can hold in your hand. 21. Remember these, O Jacob and Israel, for my servant thou art, I formed thee, a servant to me thou art, O Israel, thou dost not forget me. The Lord says, I have created you, you can't create me, but whatever you can create, is just a material product. Some people have idols that they don't realize are idols. It could be a charm bracelet, it could be tarot cards, it could be a golf club, or a trophy sitting on your wall. It could be some sort of award decorating your office. If you can touch it and hold it, it's a false god, so stop admiring it. 22. I have blotted out as by a thick cloud thy transgressions, and as by a cloud thy sins, return unto me, for I have redeemed thee. The Lord says, I have already forgiven you, now follow me. People become born again, they receive the forgiveness of Christ initially, but then they won't follow him. They fall by the wayside. Some pastors claim that you're still saved if you were initially saved, but the Bible teaches that we have to follow the Lord. He says, after I forgive your sins, then you have to walk with me. You don't get to go back to your sin. 23. Sing, O heavens, for Jehovah hath wrought. Shout, O lower parts of earth. Break forth, O mountains, with the singing, forest, and every tree in it. For Jehovah hath redeemed Jacob, and in Israel he doth beautify himself. The Lord beautifies himself through the miracles that he performs in our lives. The Lord is beautiful because of what he has done for Israel and for everybody who follows him. And all of his creation sings. We can't hear his creation singing, but it is singing. And there will come a day when we will hear it. We will hear the stars and the ocean and the mountain and the forest singing praises to the Lord. 24. Thus said Jehovah thy Redeemer, and thy Framer from the womb, I am Jehovah doing all things, stretching out the heavens by myself, spreading out the earth, who is with me? And he's saying, who can do what I do? Absolutely no one. I have laid out the stars like a blanket, and I have also formed the earth, and I formed every living being.
25. Making void the tokens of divisors, and diviners it maketh mad, turning the wise backward, and their knowledge it maketh foolish. He's saying, who else could possibly make void the curses and the divinations of witches? Who else could turn sinners into madmen? Who else could take wisdom from those who think that they know everything and cause them to act foolish? No one but me. 26. Confirming the word of his servant, the counsel of his messengers, it perfecteth. Who is saying of Jerusalem she is inhabited, and of cities of Judah they shall be built, and her wastes I raise up? He says, I'm the only one. Nobody else can give prophecy to Israel. No one else can give counsel to prophets and angels. And no one else can cause Jerusalem to be inhabited and full, or desolate for that matter. 27. Who is saying to the deep, be dry, and thy waters I cause to dry up. There's geological evidence that places that are desert today used to be oceans, and the Lord is the one who dried up those oceans and turned them into deserts. 28. Who is saying of Cyrus, my shepherd, and all my delight he doth perfect, so as to say of Jerusalem, thou art built, and of the temple thou art founded? King Cyrus of Persia is the one who wrote a law allowing the Jews to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the city and the temple, and he protected them while they were doing it. The Lord is the one who put it in Cyrus's heart to favor the Israelites and their God and to honor their God by ordering that his temple be rebuilt. And that concludes Isaiah chapter 44.